Well, you could always get one of those uh, Elon Musk pill- body pillows I sent you. Oh my God, you are so right. No one would approach me. No one. It's either that or I would want a sexy George Lucas. <laughs> or you would be swarmed <laughs> after. Oh, that's true. That's uh, true. Uh, I'm just running the subway. Uh, please leave me alone. <laughs> I don't like to be surrounded by this many people. Uh, have a good day. May the force be with you. <laughs> Hot pot of the South, not your daddy's Appalachia. Hot pot of the South, progress cannot be. Hello everyone and welcome to Pot of the South, a production of Change Tennessee. Pull up a chair and refill your sweet tea as we peel back the layers of Southern politics to get a better understanding of what's going on and why it matters. My name is Gabe and today we're joined by Drew Dyson and again we are without Matthew probably need to go search in an Elon Musk emerald mine. It doesn't matter. I'm here. I am the uh, the podcast host for the people. Matthew is living up life uh, somewhere in an island with uh, Jeff Bezos um, and other billionaires right now. So he's left us to contend to this episode. In place of Matthew, we do have a new guest with us this time. Maggie is joining us. Hi, everyone. <laughs> I'm Maggie. I am a uh, white-coated and queer. I uh, work in uh, the uh, animal welfare community. Uh, I've been an activist my whole life. Uh, I went canvassing with my mom when she was younger, like had me carrying me while she was canvassing. And I am a leader in the Quidditch community here in the United States. Perfect. Chutney cannons or? <laughs> no. Uh, Did I get that wrong? Is my Harry Potter off a little? No, no. You actually, it's the Chudley cannons, but you're doing okay. Chutney is Chutney. Chutney is a dish. <laughs> <laughs> hey, dish, quidditch. What are you going to do? We do dish it out. <laughs> <laughs> Gabe, what are we talking about today? Oh, what are, well, I was going to talk about quidditch because I'm very interested in that. But that is a good question. There's a, there's a lot going on right now. Um, as of today, this is Wednesday, March 3rd. President Biden has passed a, they have agreed upon the COVID-19 stimulus bill. So we'll be unpacking that uh, amongst other things. Quite a lot to go through today. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the sweet dulcets of our voice. So Gabe, Gabe brought up the the Biden plan. Let's let's talk about that. So the House passed the one point nine trillion, you know, package with a fifteen dollar minimum wage provision. Uh, this fun little imaginary character named the uh, parliamentarian in the Senate decided that uh, no, you can't do that. We briefly discussed this in, I believe, our first episode. When you're passing a Senate resolution or a uh, reconciliation bill, it all has to do with the budget. Uh, there's a rule called the Birds Rule that would throw out anything that doesn't necessarily have to do with the budget. And it's there to kind of stop people from sneaking in any kind of legislation. Now, that being said, it's a rule held by the parliamentarian. The parliamentarian is a figurative role that is there basically as a rule keeper. At any time, 
the Senate can overrule the parliamentarian. But we're not going to do that. We're going to say, fuck poor people. And we're just going to continue to steam right ahead because uh, Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema and a couple other lackeys on the Democratic side don't want to do that. The Senate now has this bill that is, one, not going to include a $15 minimum wage. And it's also now going to narrow down the people that are eligible for the $1,400 checks. And I believe it starts to phase people out instead of single individuals that paid or that made $75,000 would begin to be phased out. Now that's moved down to 50000 And instead of, uh, I believe, 100000 for families, that's been moved down to 75000 So if you made more than $52,000 or $50,000 now, you're not going to get the full 1400 I don't know about you, but uh, I'd be pretty pissed if we're still basing this on past taxes that uh, I may or may not have had a job in at one point, And now I'm not going to get my full measly 1400 that was supposed to be 2000 But we got bamboozled into that too. And they're, they're basing it, they're supposedly basing it off of the 2019 tax returns, not the 2020 tax returns. But what I'm saying is it's important to note that on this COVID, with the new stricter income limits, that it removes 12 million adults from it and 5 million children from it. And what's frustrating about this is these are you know, 17 million Americans that are going to take note and keep in mind that they received $1,800 in total from Trump. But now under the Biden administration, who used the entire national democratic platform, to campaign on $2,000 checks. Vote for us, you're going to get a $2,000 check. All of a sudden, now, it's been, it was almost immediately stripped down to $1,400. $1,400. Oh, you guys already got the $600, so now we're going to do $1,400 to make it $2,000. And now they're doubling down on restricting it even more by saying, oh, you 17 million Americans don't deserve this check. Even though the entire purpose of their campaign and a huge chunk of the campaign was, Vote for us to get this check. It's a con. It's they're just constantly moving the goalposts. Like as soon as we get close to something, they back it up a little more. We're gonna get close to it again, and then they're gonna back it up a little more. And just like, where does it end? At what point are we going to say enough is enough? Well, yeah. I mean, let's talk about the fifteen dollar minimum wage. I mean, if we don't get it passed now, we're either going to have to wait for the next reconciliation bill, which I mean could come, you know, later this year, or possibly next year, uh, he still gets two more before the midterms. But, I mean, if the parliamentarian has already ruled that it's not going to go in for whatever reason they gave this time, and that requires them to change their reasoning again, what makes them think that the parliamentarian is going to rule in favor of that without, you know, having to either, one, in the filibuster and just pass it outright, which, which, boy, oh boy, why that filibuster is still there at the moment is beyond me, or, or go for the compromise that you know, I read a political article article the other day that said Republicans are, you know, starting at $10 an hour for theirs. And senators like, I believe it was uh, Chris Coons, which made my uh, bottom list for least favorite senators, said that, well, that's the floor, said that Democrats wouldn't pass a $15 minimum wage and that they're going to have to compromise on it. Well, that's a slap in the face to working families. I mean, Biden promised 
a $15 minimum wage. He said he was going to fight for it. And I think he needs to continue to push for that with his party in line. It was a big part of uh, Vice President Harris's campaign when she was running uh, running for the Democratic nominee for president as well. That was a huge thing. She was like, the $15 minimum wage was a huge part of her platform. And as the president of the Senate, you know, the 101st vote on any tiebreaker, she can easily override the parliamentarian. All the parliamentarian is, is an advisory role. They're a consultant to the Senate saying, oh, this works, this doesn't work based on the rules. Uh, Vice President Harris can easily tell the parliamentarian, no, you're wrong, sit down, shut up. But instead, she's kind of just sitting on her hands like, oh, they said we can't do it, so we can't do it. Where are people supposed to trust you in this process? Like you were saying, Drew, it was a big part of Biden during his during his run for the presidency. It was a big part of now Vice President Harris's campaign when she was running for the presidential nominee. But now that, that they're in power and someone tells them no, they just said, oh, okay, we can't do it, guys. Sorry. It seems like we're sacrificing policy for the sake of bipartisanship, and I don't know what that gets us. I mean, sure, we might make these incremental steps. I mean, sure, let's say we, we go down the road of, you know, working on a bipartisan bill to raise the minimum wage, and we raise it to $12 an hour over, over a period of two years or three years. I mean... What does that really do for working families when we get to the end of that three-year period? And now it's not just $15 an hour we need, it's it's $18 an hour. I mean, if we're taking incremental steps at this point, what are we going to have to show people in 2022 that, hey, this is why you voted for Democrats, keep us? What are, what are we actually going to show for that? You know, nothing? Because we just passed the Equality Act in the, in the House. I don't know, can you all name 10 senators that seem like, 10 Republican senators that seem like they're going to cross party lines to vote for the Equality Act? Because, you know, maybe off the top of my head, you get Susan Collins and maybe you get Lisa Murkowski, but I don't think it extends past that. Are you going to get 10 people or 10 Republican senators to vote for uh, the We the People Act for voter reform? <laughs> Hell no. They rely on not having voter reform. I mean, there's just all these, poly and, and I mean, Biden's health care plan. You're not going to get 10 Republicans to vote for that. So everything big you're going to do is have to go through reconciliation. And if we're getting held back because we're having to deal with Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema and the other uh, moderate Democrats, then, I mean, we're just going to get screwed. And when we lose the Senate and when we lose the House in 2022, it won't be anyone other than the moderate Democrats to blame. And Joe Biden will bear that responsibility as well for not pushing his party to be more uh, proactive on legislation. Legislation. It's it's real hard to, uh, you know, work with the Republican Party when just a, you know, what a month ago, two months ago now, they had to have you strung out on the steps of the Capitol and maybe, maybe not hanged. Who knows what they were planning. Yeah, exactly. I mean, when you've got members like Josh Hawley and Ted Cruz and, you know, all these other fucking yahoos in the <laughs> in the House and Senate that were feeding this QAnon conspiracy theory that literally led to an insurrection, that's not a party you can work with. Sure, no. there's there might be those those individuals like Romney, Murkowski, Collins that and that seem like, hey, they're they're trying to separate themselves from that. But they spent, you know, all these four years going along with it. It doesn't, you don't get this 
badge of courage just because at the last moment you decided that, okay, I'm going to vote to impeach him. You could have been speaking out and actually taking a much stronger stance against this than what you were. Well, I just want to go back real quick. Uh, I pulled up the, you know, the LA Times has an article that just kind of just goes over the COVID and I just, for accuracy purposes, in the the latest, like the finalized version, is it was joint filers with annual incomes of less than one hundred and fifty thousand would receive the full amount, but those above one hundred and sixty thousand would get no check. Those filing as a head of household who make less than one hundred and twelve thousand five hundred will get the full amount, phasing out at one hundred and twenty thousand. And single filers with an annual income under seventy five thousand would get the full amount and phasing out entirely for incomes over eighty thousand. I'm just trying to think of all the people that could have made 75000 at the beginning of the year or like at least halfway through last year and then lost their job <laughs> and don't have savings. <laughs> like there's plenty of people that live in New York City that were making large amounts of money that lost their jobs and couldn't pay for their apartments. But because they made more than 75000 We're not going to give you any money to help you pay for your rent that you're probably going to get kicked out of your apartment for. <laughs> no, it's screw working families. I mean, that's what it is now. And, and you know, they're, they're I, you know, I'll sing Biden's praises when he does good things, you know, and at the moment, unfortunately, you know, other than the first few rounds of his executive orders, nothing's been really done to, to change that course. And it's disheartening to see him, you know, yes, we understand the need that this needs to be passed fast, but the fact that that you gave up on it long before, there was this kind of negative comments that he was giving towards, you know, like, uh, it seems unlikely the parliamentary is going to rule in favor of it. We'll just come back to it. And then kind of giving in in, in these areas. I mean, you know, I... I get the need to move fast. We're we're approaching the deadline for when a lot of these important uh, programs end, and we need to get it passed. But excluding more people from it is is the opposite of really what you know we were we were kind of hearing from the Biden administration that you know we don't need to be afraid to go so big, and now we see him scaling back on all these areas. So, like the last four years that has been nothing but distrust coming from the mouth of the president. And so here we were like, okay, we might be able to trust this one. Maybe we could have a tiny bit of hope. And then he was like, yeah, instead we're just going to give you $1,400. And all of us just went, oh, it's, yep, still a politician. It's okay, guys. It's okay. Go grab your pitchforks. Back at it again. Yeah, kind of two things. Like if you, and then if you criticize the administ- the Biden administration, you know, all of like the establishment Democrats and centrist Democrats come at you with their pitchforks, saying like, you know, you need to be quiet. You know, you need to shut up. You need, you know, this bill had to get passed, so we needed to do whatever. It's like, well, no, we're holding them accountable for what they said. This is what they promised during their campaign. They're not making good on it. So we need to hold their feet to the fire to make sure that they get the shit done that they promised us. And then the second thing, Maggie, with what you were saying about people who lost their jobs that might have been above that income threshold. I mean, hell, look here in Knoxville with where Regal Cinema has their headquarters, where the moment the pandemic started, 
they furloughed everybody. Everyone. So you went from people having a full-time job that was a job. And then there's like, sorry, we, you know, people aren't going to the theater anymore. So you guys don't have jobs anymore. So they literally went from, you know, we'll, we'll just say $75,000 to zero. Yep. And I have a friend that worked in for Regal and he had a baby coming on the way and he lost his job. And so he had to scramble to find a job. Yeah. And it's when, you know, when a hundred people are all kicked out at once and looking for a job to quote, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. What am I supposed to do? Go down to the uh, job, go talk to the job ferry and get a job off the job tree where there's just jobs everywhere. Like, no, that, that doesn't exist. You're now candidate in a pool of thousands all competing for the exact same uh, jobs and resources. And the essential jobs that are available right now don't pay the amount that they should be paying because those essential, there's air quotes happening right now, the essential grocery workers are not getting hazard pay still. I mean, that's the reason why they're all, like, a lot of those places are striking or unionizing. And it's the same thing happening in Amazon. Like, a lot of those uh, giant warehouses they didn't get hazard pay. And if they did get hazard pay, it was for like a month, maybe two. <laughs> but was that enough? No. <laughs> well, final final thoughts, I guess, on the you know stimulus package. Do what you were supposed to do. <laughs> Give us our two grand. I'm going to start doing I mean, what yeah. I did. I'm just going to send you a Venmo. Request for two thousand dollars. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Biden. I mean, I mean, that's two thousand. I mean, I would say you know maybe be a little less focused on bombing Syria and more focused on you know doing and helping working families like you promised. Speaking of bombing Syria, this is not a Charles Koch ad, but my second favorite supporter of this show, Raytheon. If you need to bomb Syria or any country in the Middle East, Raytheon is your go-to company. Uh, Are you guys familiar with the Raytheon knife missile? Because the Raytheon knife missile, my friends, is the... Would be a good time to mention to our supporters that uh, Blackwater does subsidize uh, our recording, which is why the audio is off. Uh, well, no, it's not Blackwater anymore. They had they had to change their name, uh, but they did not tell us the new name. It's part, it was part of our advertising contract. That way, they can still operate and pr- and commit war crimes. The DNC is now outsourcing with them for the uh, Iowa caucuses in twenty twenty four. So, so let's talk about all the glorious things happening here in the state of Tennessee at the moment. Uh, so, Oh, my God. <laughs> up here in our little slice of heaven that is Tennessee and in Nashville, uh, the supermajority-controlled Republican State House and State Senate are going forward with their uh, all-time favorite hits, uh, anti-trans bills, anti-LGBTQ bills, anti-abortion bills, anti-worker bills, you name it. They've got it. If it's against working families, they're for it. 
They, but they are pro-gun. Always. <laughs> and you know who else is pro-gun? <laughs> I do want to say, though, before we start teeing off on how shitty our state legislature has been doing, the one good thing that has happened is last week they did finish immunizing all of the nursing home and assisted living facilities for COVID-19. So the score is one to a hundred. The good side did get on the board. It's not a shutout now. And Dolly Parton got vaccinated. But we're playing like their fourth string. So (laughs) the pseudo president of the South, Dolly Parton, has been vaccinated. And she sang a song about getting your vaccine to the tune of Jolene. If you have not heard it yet, you definitely need to look it up. <laughs> I mean, I have to say, I'm a big, you know, anti-monarch. But should the day come that Dolly Parton decides that she's done with the American democracy, it's fine. It's fine. She can have it. Instead, instead of the state of Franklin, we should be the state of Dolly. <gasps> I agree totally. Ooh, throwing in a state of Franklin reference in there. I like it. Anyways, so our uh, glorious state house and state senator up there, you know, fighting the good fight, really hitting issues that matter to Tennessee. And, you know, they're, they're really thoughtful about all the hospital closures, all the uh, infrastructure issues we're having, the issue of rural broadband for our students still studying at home in rural areas. Um, so that's why they're passing bills like SB 0228 to make sure that uh, you have to play the high school sport that you, with your uh, gender that you were assigned at birth. That's why they're passing bills like permitless open carry, criminalizing protests, attacking women's health care, and, you know, of course, introducing a right to work constitutional amendment really know what what the people of Tennessee here want. And the right to work goes even a little further because today, again, March 3rd, they introduced a bill that is a right to make your child work, which the goal of that was to reduce the restrictions on allowing individuals under 18, uh, making it easier for them to work in smoking establishments. Because, you know, there's nothing that really helps a growing the body become strong and healthy like being forced to stand inside and just inhale secondhand smoke all day places a smoking establishment still in tennessee are we in the 80s this is the 80s isn't it i do know of two places in knoxville you can smoke indoors i'm pretty sure you can get away with smoking in any waffle house (laughs) i think it's just an unspoken rule i have one down my street i'm gonna be right back (laughs) Oh my God. These, I mean, these, we deal with this every year and they just get crazier and crazier to like the extent that if it wasn't harming people, it would be like the worst sitcom. I mean, it literally would be like, you know, a kind of, Third Reich Parks and Rec in Tennessee. So my favorite thing about about this, especially the the school bill that they introduced, because you know you have to play the sport of the gender that you were born to, right? But we could not, however, make kids wear masks in school. 
So let's let's focus on the really important thing. What is in your child's pants? Well, we know that David Byrd in the State House is very concerned what's going on in a child's pants. Yeah, we do. <laughs> Excuse me, you all are like at least what, thirty and above? I don't think you should care about that. That is not something that needs to be important. We have children that are starving and dying and not able they're like not able to, you know, mentally and emotionally survive this pandemic because of what's going on at home. But sure, uh, let's not have them play a sport because of what's in their pants. And if you look at a lot of these bills, you one name that just pops up consistently is good old uh, Jim Jordan over in Bean Station. Gabe here. I'm just cutting in to fact check myself. Uh, right here, I meant to say Jerry Sexton of Bean Station. That is Representative Jerry Sexton of Bean Station. Oh my god, Bean Station. <laughs> hey, did you know that they don't have an infrastructure for a sewer system? And they just poop in the street? No, like they don't have a sewer infrastructure. <laughs> So they have like tanks, they have sewer tanks, but they don't have actual like sewer systems as far as Bean Station goes. They're one of the only like small cities that still don't have an actual sewer system. And it's causing so many issues that people are moving away from Bean Station. I know this because I am uh, like up the road from them 30 minutes hometown wise. So this is why like, local elections matter. Yes, because they decided, they were like, we're going to get the money for the sewer system, sure. And they got the money and they spent it on something else. Uh, they probably bought like an MRAP for their police force or something. Their police cars are very nice, I will say that, because Bean Station is a speed trap. And uh, they backed the blue up there instead of backing the poo. All right, so what's this uh, uh, garbage fire from Bean Station? Well, it's the, he's the, the state representative. And he was the one who introduced, what was that, a month ago, the uh, anti-abortion bill. Oh. You know, if a woman was raped, that she was like, she was forced to carry the baby, uh, no no provisions for rape or incest in it. You have to include the father in the process. Yes, that one, yeah. The father has the, has the right to get a court injunction to prevent the abortion. With no DNA test, he just has to sign a document that says he would legally be the father. Again, no DNA, DNA test required. And then the woman, should she get an abortion, uh, would then be held in contempt of court and probably tried for murder because that's how we do things in the South. We Only the most inhumane rules get to go. Uh, and now, yeah, Drew, as you were saying, he was an author on a lot of these anti-LGBTQ plus and anti-trans bills. You're the representative for an area that doesn't have a sewer system. Why the fuck are you focusing on all this other stuff? Like, look in your backyard first. Like, that smell isn't the rest of the state. That's your community. Well, and I mean, you know, think about this. Most of rural East Tennessee is some of the most poorest areas in the nation. Rural Appalachia is got some of the highest rates of poverty, especially for children. It's got some of the highest uneducation rates. I'm, I'm blanking on words here, but it's they, they have a plethora of other issues that they should be f 
further concerned about than these ideological issues about what's going on in someone's bedroom and their pants with their doctor. If I mean, other than that, they're, they're concerned about making marginalized groups' lives miserable. We're joking about a lot of this, but I mean, literally, this, this is going to make, you know, certain uh, individuals' lives harder. Marks them. It, you know, they're already stigmatized uh, if they're, you know, there's issues with bullying. There's issues with not feeling like yourself. And uh, you have grown men and women in Nashville actively attacking children that that are struggling with their gender identity, with their sexuality. It's disgusting. Like like I mentioned before, they have so many other issues that they should be concerned about when it comes to the citizens of Tennessee, and they're choosing to attack groups that are marginalized. And I could 100% say the infrastructure of Bean Station is not great. They have potholes on their main strip. You know what their main strip has on it? Absolutely nothing. And there's like, you know, it. It's a food desert as far as what, you know, a food desert is supposed to be proclaimed as. And the only thing that they have for uh, their grocery stores, quote unquote, is family dollars and a UGO that is usually understocked. When you're looking at your constituents from Bean Station, who are not eating great, they're starving, and... They're struggling really, really hardcore right now because you have no jobs in Bean Station that anyone's going to be able to work. And you would rather pass bills that have nothing to do with that. It's ridiculous. And that's just one tiny city portion of Tennessee that is struggling. Well, and we we also talked about this too. I mean, you know, uh, that come 2022 or I mean in between now and the midterm elections, the state house and state senate are going to get the chance to redraw redraw these districts and since 2018 <laughs> democrats gained a seat in the state house and they gained a seat in the state senate well there's a possibility they're going to try and you know draw these to make one it as hard as possible to keep the seats we've gained but also lock out more seats for us for for another decade to come and so we're going to continue to see these bills if we're not doing organizing work on the ground up to make sure that we can fight against these. And that means, you know, doing precinct level work. That means doing county commission level work, your local city level work. The state house and state senate are very hard areas for us to succeed in at the moment. So we need to focus on these lower levels where we can build a base and build a groundwork to where when the time comes, we can actually actively fight back in the state house and the state senate because we've changed the political makeup of these areas. Absolutely. Kind of want to switch gears, but still building off what you were just talking about, Drew, of having these local communities fight back and fight for justice in their areas, whatever that may be. Uh, Look at what's going on in Memphis right now with the uh, oil pipeline that they're trying to install that will just wreak havoc on the environment over there. The Mississippi River, like it's like some of the purest water hasn't been touched by human hands in over 200 years. I read somewhere, uh, don't fact check me. And the, the Memphis community is doing a huge job fighting back against this pipeline because they know the damage that it will do to their community on an environmental level 
on a racial inequality uh, level because of where it's targeted to go through. And we have these communities that are putting their foot down and fighting back, but they're doing it in a vacuum. Like I haven't really seen, the only people in Tennessee that I've seen talk about this pipeline are the people in the Memphis area. You don't really hear the Nashville community talking about it or the East Tennessee community talking about it. So my dad and I actually had a conversation about this the other day, um, talking about pipelines, because um, it's a common conversation for, for pretty much anyone that's been on a reservation in any way, form or fashion, um, because DAPL was supposed to go through several different reservations, of course, and thanks Biden for signing that to stop it. But um, the way that the oil company was getting past doing environmental, um, like the environmental checks uh, and having someone come in and make sure the environmental impact was going to be not terrible for the community is they cut the uh, building procedure into tiny pieces that are just under what you would need an environmental impact for. And I haven't been able to look into the Memphis one super far, but I'm pretty sure that's something similar to what they're doing there because that's just the shitty thing that those oil companies do. And 100% they target like those marginalized folks. And I'm not sure which oil company is behind it, but if I had to guess, I would say it is our benefactor, Charles Koch, who has a stellar reputation when it comes to oil pipeline safety and making sure that the communities that are impacted uh, are only treated the best and get the top dollar for the oil that is extracted through the leases. Uh, and by that, I mean, he scammed out uh, Coke Industries, scammed a Native American, Native American tribes out of millions of dollars back in the 80s and 90s. Cutting in here again, just to let everybody know that the oil company behind the Bahalia pipeline in Memphis is Valero. It is not our good friend Charles Koch. Speaking of Charles Koch, you know what else is uh, impacting marginalized communities? Anything he touches. <laughs> the chicken farms. His chicken farms are impacting marginalized communities. They build them near, like you know, hoods, quote unquote, is what they like to use as the terminology. Very poverty areas that are usually areas of people of color. And uh, they're like, well, the white people don't have to smell it. So that's all that matters. I think they do this that thing with everything. Yes. Industrial agriculture. Because environmental racism is just as much, you know, a part of systemic racism as everything else. Well, any final thoughts on our lovely state of Tennessee at the moment in the uh, legislature? Oh, I was going to say, it's, yeah, it's easiest to kick people when they're down. I mean, if you're in power, it's real easy to be the bully. And that's what our Tennessee legislature has made their career off of, a lot of them, of being the bully, of knowing that they're the in power group and they don't have to give a shit about anybody that doesn't look like them. And with that, you know, I really wish, you know, at any point we could just press the reset button and just say, okay, you're all done. We're going to start over. Um, I guess my final thoughts on the uh, Tennessee legislature is I am thankful for legislatures like uh, Gloria Johnson, who is my neighbor representative. Uh, I wish I was in her district, um, but she's up there fighting the good fight, um, making sure that working families are represented. People like 
London Lamar, Tory Harris, Heidi Campbell in the Senate. They're they're all fighting the good fight, and you know we might be in small numbers, but thankful for them up there. Um, and uh, David Byrd is a child predator and should have been kicked out long ago. And we also need to get rid of the KKK wizard bust. And uh, I wish someone would just push it down, but I think it's bolted to the place. Um, and uh, I I think uh, these are things we're going to come to expect for session after session and that we're used to. And unfortunately, until we garner more power or get the people against these bills, they're going to still continue to pass these draconian measures. Yeah, it's, it's amazing that here we are in 2021 and it's still a debate over getting rid of the bust. But he was a great man. He was so great that we waited like over a hundred years to make a bust of him and put it up. Well, they rotate them, Drew. They rotate them. At the light at the end of the tunnel, as far as this goes uh, for me is in the Quidditch community, is that uh, if you want to start a Quidditch team at your middle school, high school, or elementary school, I don't care what's in your kids' pants. That's the point of the Quidditch community. You come play a sport and you have fun. We'll keep those uh, gross Republicans like David Byrd away from you, okay? I have a I have a personal special request for a rant here just because he's been in the news and he's been in the news for the past year and I can't stand him. And I'm ready to take on all the hate from anyone that wants to give me this. Is it Bezos? Governor Andrew Cuomo is... One of the worst governors, especially Democratic governors in America. He's terrible. I do not understand the fawning over him. I understand that there was a need for someone at the beginning of this pandemic to speak complete sentences and to actually, you know, pretend like they were caring about people. But he is an awful, awful governor. He has... One, he's lied about this this uh, whole um, assisted living and uh, elder home uh, numbers, nursing home numbers for COVID. Bluffed those numbers. He's now been accused by three individuals of sexual harassment and assault. And uh, one, uh, just because most people don't know this since he's been elected, uh, he's actually got a power sharing agreement with the state Senate to kind of keep it in this Republican-esque power so that way he doesn't have to pass these really progressive bills uh, because in a state where 60% plus of the electorate is Democrats, um, he doesn't want to pass these extremely progressive bills. Uh, I could not stand when people wanted him to run for president. I could not stand when people wanted him to or, or praised him or heap praises on him because he is the closest thing to a neolib you can get on the governor's level. Uh, and I will take all the heat from this. I will take all the hate you have to give. This is the hill that I will die on. Uh, I wish Andrew Cuomo would go into a cave, never return, and let someone that is actually going to fight for the people of New York in a you know moralistic and ethical manner to come take his place. I think that hill is more of a plateau, and you got a lot of people standing there with you. <laughs> I'm right there. I'm right there. I remember a few months ago, I was talking to my partner about Cuomo, saying that there was going to be countless blood on his hands for how he just absolutely bungled every bit of the pandemic. He got all this awesome national praise 
But if you talk to people who lived in New York, it wasn't sunshine and rainbows. We all remember the uh, the mobile morgues that were wheeled in. You know, there, he had such draconian rules on the vaccine distribution when the vaccine came out. It was only uh, it was only being distributed from like nine to five, nine to three, very specific hours. Uh, you had to be certified to distribute the COVID vaccine. It couldn't just be like a normal phlebotomist or any healthcare worker in doing the vaccine. You had to be certified specifically for the COVID vaccine. And then there were astronomical fines for any vaccine that wasn't used within a within a seven-day time window. So you had healthcare facilities that were literally throwing away vaccines because they didn't they couldn't get them distributed because of the policies that he put in place. And nobody talked about it. Well, yeah, he also made it to where, like, you couldn't, you couldn't like, cut line or, or you couldn't administer vaccines to people that weren't technically eligible. And if they found out that you got one, it was like a million-dollar fine. You can talk to the people over here at your local, like, Kroger, Walmart, pharmacy, wherever the vaccines are. They'll tell you people miss their appointments. And once they puncture that vial, uh, they have to use it in a certain amount of time or it gets thrown away. So they're they're literally like, if someone happens to walk in today and ask for it, we're going to give it to them. Not in New York, though. Not in this progressive and democratic haven that is New York. And then, you know, like he continued to bicker like a child with the mayor of New York City because he was like, hello, we have thousands of people dying. We need help. And he was like, nah, nah, you're okay. Wake up, dude. <laughs> Oh man, I've I've only got time for one uh, annoying New York politician, and we could talk about Bill De Blasio at some point. But I feel like I feel like we're we're running out of time on that one. They're both <laughs> so, children. I mean, they are both children. Uh, I guess I'm going to end my little segment here and see if you all have any. Also, I'm here today to announce that uh, I am endorsing Cynthia Nixon for governor in 2022. Any final thoughts, everyone, on any uh, last-minute rants, anything we've talked about before we uh, get ready to close out here? Uh, This is throwing it back to 2020 because a lot of people heard about the Navajo Nation getting uh, body bags instead of PPE when they were being told that they were being sent PPE. Uh, That was not the only nation that received that. And I will say that there are some amazing Native American... uh, fashion designers that took those body bags and turned them into bomb outfits as a like stance on how terrible it was. I love it. And if people say that fashion isn't activism, it a hundred percent is. Well, they don't look like the original body bags. Of course they've like cut them up and like, (laughs) yeah, like mortified that that would be like that. Someone thought that that was an appropriate response but so happy that they like turned it into a positive way to give them the middle finger. Oh yeah. I mean like they sent so many different nations body bags instead of PPE when they were crying for PPE for the nation. And that means that thousands of elders have died. And most of those were some of the only fluent speakers of their native language. I, I appreciate you bringing that up because I think a lot of times So my final thing I want to end on since we were talking about the Senate is I want to give you all my top five uh, least favorite Democratic senators. I owe no one any explanation to this, and uh, I don't care what you have to say about it. Um, So number five is uh, Michael Bennett. 
this seems a little bland for Colorado. 47, Chris Coons, um, he's from Delaware. And one, I just don't think he should have that much power um, being from Delaware and don't like him. 48, Diane Feinstein, don't like her. 49, Kirsten Cinema, don't like her. She wore a wig once and I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Like, good for you, girl. And then she turned around and said, I'm going to keep the filibuster. Well, I don't like you anyways. Uh, and number one for my least favorite senator, um, I think this is pretty evident, um, Joe Manchin. I am in favor for incorporating West Virginia back into Virginia. Trade D.C. lack of statehood for West Virginia statehood. Oh, there we go. Just Perfect. a straight up trade. Yes. West Virginia is now in Virginia, but now D.C. has statehood. Here's the thing. We could get past a lot of these awful senators if we just give D.C. statehood, if we give Puerto Rico statehood, if we give Guam statehood. Who else can we give statehood? I'm, I'm on a roll at the, the Virgin Islands. Let's give them statehood. I'm on a roll. So let's say, um, let's give the Navajo Nation. Let's give all Indian nations statehood. But I'm going to, I think, I think we're past the need for them not having statehood. Gabe, finish us out with uh, your last little your last little rant. Be accountable for what you got what you guys are campaigning on. You want us you want American people to have trust in you and trust in politicians? Quit moving the damn goalposts. Quit promising something. Quit overpromising and underdelivering. That's why no one likes you. That's why no one trusts what you're going to say, because we've been we as an as a people as a citizenry have been burnt time and time and time and again, and it's frustrating. And you lose faith. You end up you know people end up blackpilling, and they completely check out of the process. And now. The only people who are still involved are the people who really give a damn and are willing to fight tooth and nail for every person to have a voice. Or you have these psychos that want to create a fascist state that just screws over everybody. If you want people to trust you and people to believe in you and people to vote for you, do what you're going to do, what you say you're going to do and earn their trust. Quit taking minorities for granted quit taking marginalized groups for granted and just assuming that you're going to get their vote because the other guy is evil well if you're not doing anything for them you're just as evil being complicit in evil is just as bad as being the aggressor and we you have to get over this mentality that oh they're going to vote for us because the other guy is bad no they're not if you if we want to make the change and be the world's greatest country then show up, step up to the plate, and prove it. If you're going to talk the talk, walk the walk. Also, if you want to do some anarchy, do food sovereignty. <laughs> I have one thing for you. All right, so it's March, which means it's National Women's History. Yay! Tennessee celebrates it by taking it to your right. Uh, so uh, have you all ever heard of Wilma Mankiller? No, but I like her. She was born in Oklahoma and then her family moved to California because uh, there were 13 people to feed and you know Oklahoma was kind of a lot of poverty so they moved to California so she grew up off of the reservation uh, she came back to her people after uh, a bunch of students decided to take over Alcatraz Island and say that it is their island now and it is a native nation um, she 
has been a fierce activist, social worker, and commu- community developer. Um, when she watched those students on Alcatraz say, hey, this is the Native Nation, she said, hey, I should go be an activist for uh, the Native American people. And her first husband said, no, I want you to work at home. And she, <laughs> and she goes, nah, I'm out. <laughs> she divorced her first husband. <laughs> and she came back to the Cherokee people and she became the first woman elected as the principal chief of the Cherokee Nation. This March, uh, you guys should go watch Man Killer. It's a documentary that's done by PBS um, and it talks about her life. We will definitely, I will definitely try to track down a link and link off, uh, link that documentary on the sh- uh, show notes for this one so people can find it and watch it for sure. Well, they can find me at Andrew Dyson, D-I-S-O-N, on Twitter, and they should make sure to follow Change TN to see all the wonderful stuff we're doing there. And you can follow us on Twitter at Change TN underscore. Uh, Matthew's not here to give his information out to follow him, um, but uh, he's at a meeting right now in somewhere in the middle of the Indian Ocean. I believe it's with uh, someone named the Illuminati. So you can find him on the uh, board of the Illuminati. Uh, and Maggie, what about you? Where do you live on DOS intrawebs? Uh, you can find me doing some uh, really nerdy shit and a lot of cat photos on Instagram. Uh, it is called Lil Miss Knit, L-I-L-M-I-S-S-K-N-I-T. I do a lot of fiber arts and I'm going to be building my own garden this year. So you guys can follow me in order to spark your interest in food sovereignty and end food deserts by growing food at home. Thank you, Maggie, for joining us. And everyone, be sure to follow her on Instagram to learn a little bit more about building your own garden and home gardening for that food sovereignty and slowly end food insecurity. And with that, everybody... Have a great day. Thank you for tuning in. Pod, pod of the South, not your daddy's Appalachia. Pod, pod of the South, progress cannot wait.